Hey friends, and welcome to another beautiful day on the Practically Well podcast. So we've talked about eating and food in a lot of different ways on this show before, and I absolutely love bringing multiple mindsets and schools of thought to the table because it's, it's, it's such a good reminder that, you know, while there are certain practices like eating whole foods and having a balanced meal, you know, those things are good across the board. There's also not just one right way to do it. And that's because we're all individuals. So today we're going to be talking about diet and nutrition from the perspective of intermittent fasting. And our guest today is Lori Lewis. She is an author and intermittent fasting coach who found enormous benefit from this technique in her own life once she had entered menopause. And through her own health journey, she turned this personal success into a premier intermittent fasting coaching business. And she combines her knowledge of nutrition with deep research and practice of time-restricted eating. Lori guides her clients with a dream come true to eat foods you love and enjoy the rest of your life feeling vibrantly well. So today we're going to be learning all about Lori's personal journey with intermittent fasting and the benefits she found from it, what the root cause is for most people's challenges with their weight loss and health, what intermittent fasting really is and how to do it in a healthy, personalized way for your body. And of course, because this is practically well, we'll be discussing some practical tips that we can implement to get started with intermittent fasting today. So let's welcome Lori to the show. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, Hannah. Nice to see you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Absolutely. So, you know, I would love it if you could start by sharing a little bit about your journey with intermittent fasting and, and how that went and why it was so beneficial for you. I have had a passion for nutrition and fueling myself well for over 25. In fact, over 30 years ago, I woke up one morning in my late twenties and I was like, I think this diet Coke is bad for me. You know, it's just like a simple (laughs) thought like that. I think this is bad for me. And from that point on, um, I really dove into learning how to fuel myself well. And I discovered a taste for dark leafy greens and not a taste for sugary sweet things. And um, I think that that can be learned. And um, so fast forward, which actually is also the name of my business, fast forward to my late forties when perimenopause hit and really crushed me. And they don't send us to biology class for older women. And so we really don't know. We know something's coming, but we don't know what it's going to feel like and how it's, it could potentially make life challenging. <laughs> and um, so from 44 to 49, I really struggled and, you know, with the predictable hot flashes and so forth. But for me, they were really bad. Um, but also depression and brain fog and memory loss and my equilibrium was off. And so I couldn't wait for actual menopause, you know, when my period stopped, I'm like, I can't wait for this to be over. And then when that happened at 49, which was early, usually the average is like between 51, 52. Um, I suddenly gained 50 pounds, like boom, my hormones were so out of whack that my body was just holding on to fat for dear life. And the, the crazy thing about that, myself included, but everybody in my life was saying, wait, you're the healthiest person we know. How could this happen to you? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know it's a mystery because nothing I did in the past worked. You know, even my clients now, just yesterday, one client said, you know, 
when I was in my thirties, I used to just be able to buckle down in whatever way and the 10 pounds would just come right off. And it's not like that anymore. And, um, so I struggled for four and a half years to feel better. And one night I was home in Colorado, just, it was really the point where I was at the most despondent. I just, I was, I'm an eternally optimistic, hopeful type person. Mm -hmm. And I had gotten to the point where I thought, oh, maybe I'm just supposed to surrender to feeling worse and worse forever. Like, really, is that what I'm supposed to buy into? Mm -hmm. And aging is a reality our bodies start to change, but feeling worse and worse forever and heavier and foggier and more medicated forever is not, doesn't have to be the plan. And that night that I was home in Colorado with my mom, I could not believe that I stumbled upon, you know, in some random Google search, like I'd always been doing intermittent fasting. I, you know, I Googled, always been Googling, like how to feel better in menopause and how to lose weight in menopause. And I stayed up all night reading about how do you, you know, eat in an eating window? What are the benefits of pausing from eating and eating later and healing your body and when you're fasting? And so I told my mom the next morning that I was going to try this thing and it made sense to me, but it sounded kind of crazy. And I explained it to her and she said, that sounds like it makes perfect sense. (laughs) How may I support you? And so what's amazing is I lost the weight 51 pounds in 15 months. I'm a statistic for sure, because I'm a woman in menopause. I'm 58 who set out to lose weight, lost it and have kept it off for over three years. Mm. And, um, the amazing thing is that I felt better in three days. Mm. So I remember standing at my mom's kitchen sink and talking to her and having this feeling like, Oh, there's myself again. Women and menopause and perimenopause really explain it. Like, I don't know how to put my finger on it, but I don't feel like myself anymore. And I got myself back. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. What a, what a story and, and how gratifying and exciting that must've been to see those results so quickly, especially when it has, it, you know, sounded like it's been many, many years of just not feeling Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. And to be able to share that with others and especially with people, I love the people who say, Oh, I tried that and I never felt better, but, and I'm like, but what (laughs) you tried it and you never feel better. What happened? Life happens. Modern Mm -hmm. society, you know, like we don't live like our ancestors. We don't live as simply as they did our evolutionarily. We are designed to stop eating and eat later and eat small amounts in a concentrated time Mm -hmm. and to allow the body to heal and be strong when we're fasting. Um, But in our society, we don't have that space. We don't give ourselves that space. We think the opposite is best. We think eating all the time is best and look where that's gotten us. So I love sharing with people the benefits. The other people I love talking to are the ones who are like, oh, I tried that, but it didn't work for me. I'm like, oh, Ooh, we need to talk. (laughs) I want to find out what aspect didn't work and it's totally customizable. Like this isn't some Mm -hmm. cookie cutter thing that everybody has to do it the same way. So I love digging in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, to, to kind of start to dig into this and how it's customizable, I'd love it because I feel like everybody 
has at least heard of intermittent fasting. I feel like it's a pretty household concept at this point, but for people who don't know very much about it at all, I'd love it if you could dive into kind of how to intermittent fast and, and what the, the benefits are. Great. Okay. I'll flip that. I'll tell a little bit of the benefits and then how to do it. Cause I would love for everybody as they're listening to, you know, finish this conversation, listening to our conversation and feel like, Oh, I got some good information, but I also know how to do it. So (laughs) often we get information and then it's like, well, now what do I do? So I'd love to leave people with the, with some helpful guidance. Um, what it is intermittent fasting is an umbrella term that's actually the act, the correct term is time restricted eating it's a medical term for research and for animals it's time restricted feeding so mm-hmm. we're dealing with rats it's feeding and humans it's eating so yeah. time restricted eating and neither of those terms are particularly appealing intermittent fasting people are like fasting ah that sounds terrible <laughs> or time restricted eating it sounds awful but you just take the two part, the whole day, 24 hours, and you divide it into two parts, your fasting hours and your eating window. And you get to say what they both are. And the appeal, the benefit, the reason why you would even want to do that would be that in those fasting hours, and I believe in a purist fast, a clean fast, and we can definitely talk about what that is because you can find anything you want to find on the internet that will give you permission to take in all sorts of nutrients and flavors while you're fasting, but that's not fasting. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we can talk about that, but the healing, the lowering of insulin and reducing of inflammation and heal literally head to toe, making new brain cells, fueling your body on ketones, healing your gut, um, just your, skin and deep cellular repair, increasing the human growth hormone. It's the body needs to be in a fasted state almost as much as it needs sleep. Now, if we're sleep deprived, that really wrecks us. And people who are sleep deprived also have a hard time losing weight and a hard time with overall health issues. So sleep is super important, Mm -hmm. but we, what we didn't know was that putting ourselves purposefully into a fasted state every day could be considered as equally as important for the healing of our body. And then we just eat later in an eating window. So the way you start it, and let me just say about that eating window, it's not a diet. You're not restricting anything. You're not counting calories and eating little tiny meals. What you'll do is you'll train yourself to eat to satiety. Mostly right now, people don't know the difference between actual hunger and feeling satisfied and eating the right amount of food until mm-hmm. your body tells you, Ooh, I've had enough. Now you can stop eating. Now we're, we're not practiced at that and eating in an eating window puts us, gives us that ability to eat more mindfully. So if someone wants to start everybody out there, whether you're intermittent fasting now, or you've never even thought about it, what you want to do right now is decide what time today am I going to stop eating? What time? So if it's two o'clock in the afternoon or 10 o'clock at night, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Everybody just look at your day and look at your, when you what your schedule is and what you have going on and when you normally eat and just decide at the end of that last meal, what time you're going to close that eating window. It's like window closed. 
hard stop. And after that, mark the time, let's say it's eight o'clock. After that, drink plain water, no flavors, no lemon, no cucumber, no nothing, plain water. And it can be sparkling, it can be hot or cold, but plain, unflavored. And then go to bed and wake up tomorrow and drink plain water. And if you like coffee, have a black coffee with nothing in it. And at 8 a.m., 12 hours later, open your eating window and eat normally. So that would be a 12 hour clean fast. You were asleep for a big chunk of it. And a 12-12 fasting and eating schedule has been proven to extend our lifespan, increase longevity. So if a person doesn't even have a pound to lose, if you are conscious of fasting clean for 12 hours and then eating three meals to satiety, to satiety until you're <laughs> satisfied in a 12 hour eating window, you're doing it. So sometimes people say, oh, I didn't do it over the weekend. And then I figure out, no, you fasted 14 hours and had a 10 hour window. That's great. Mm -hmm. So, and then if people have weight to lose or health issues like type two diabetes or, um, are dealing with thyroid stuff, or inflammation, plantar fasciitis, you know, psoriasis head to toe, they're yeah. things that people are dealing with. Then you want to increase the fasting hours gradually. It's gentle and shrink that eating window gradually. And I think that within seven to 10 days, a person can get to a 16 hour fast and an eight hour eating window. So let's say you eat from 11 to seven or 12 to eight or 10 to six or whatever you decide and then play around with it and go from there. But that is how to start. Yeah. Well, wow. Thank you so much for that explanation. And, and it's so interesting because as you're describing this, I have heard so many different ways that people intermittent fast. And just to give you an example, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts in terms of like the health benefits or, or, you know, if this is the proper way to intermittent fast, but I feel like I've heard from a lot of people who say they're intermittent fasting, they're saying, you know, oh, I'm not eating until at all day, like at all during the day, I start eating at eight o'clock at night and I eat until like 2 a.m. and then I don't don't eat for the rest of the day and or they eat from eight to 10 and then they don't eat again until 8 p.m. the next day. And I'm curious because my just intuitively, I, I feel like, and especially as an acupuncturist with wanting to, you know, regulate your your body's chi and, and things like that, that seems a little extreme to me. Is is that healthy? Is it not? What are your what are your thoughts on that? I love this question. Okay. So what I've got to do is dig in and find out more, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people say, oh, I do that. I don't eat, I don't eat breakfast. I, I don't eat lunch. And then I'll say, when do you eat lunch? And they're like, usually around one. It's like, okay, let's look at what you have before one. Oh, I put creamer in my coffee. Is that not okay? It's like, those are nutrients. Those are, you know, if you put, if you're taking actual creamer that's designed <laughs> by the food industry, woo, Lord knows what's in there. So that is absolutely spiking your insulin. So what you, what we need to know is, are you fasting clean? And if you're not, here's what's happening. Insulin is a hormone and insulin's 
primary job is to grab blood sugar when it goes up and bring it bring it back down. And in our society, most people these days are what we call insulin resistant, which means that our insulin and our blood sugar, the insulin isn't working well. There's a high level of circulating insulin and it can't get into the cells to bring the blood glucose blood glucose down. The other job of insulin is to store fat. So in the presence of high circulating insulin, we're a fat storage machine and we want to be a fat burning machine. The fat is there, whether or not you have any weight to lose, we all have fat on our bodies that is there for fuel that we want to tap into. And the way to tap into it is to stop eating and keep insulin low and burn that body fat for fuel. So when we're taking in any flavors, any sweetness, any nutrients, any, you know, we want to put the body into a, a hormonal balance, a digestive rest and let insulin come back down. So to answer that question of people who say, you know, oh, I fast all day long. I want to find out, are you actually putting your body into a state of repair? Because we want to be in full repair mode and we want to tap into our body. We want to be a fat burning machine. We want to ward off Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is now considered type three diabetes, which is a condition of high circulating insulin. And our brain is fueling on too much glucose. That is a massive oversimplification of Alzheimer's. Please forgive me. But Nobody. if any, for any other motivation, it's like, let's get that brain fueling on a balance of glucose mm -hmm. and ketones. Okay. So the other thing about fasting clean is that it makes fasting easier. And that's counterintuitive. You'd think, oh, a little lemon makes it better. I'm just dying over here. And I just need some lemon to make it through. No, all those flavors, sweetness, nutrients, send signals to the body that food is incoming. So the body's like, yay, you're about, you're going to feed mm -hmm. us. You're going to feed me. And then it aligns to receive food. The hormones adjust and digestive tract gets ready. And then when you don't feed it, cause you think you're fasting, the body gets grumpy. It's like, where's the food? <laughs> and it makes fasting mm -hmm. harder. Yeah. Okay. So for those people who think they're fasting, I give you the clean fast challenge. And if you're, if you're not eating lunch till one anyway, great, drink black coffee, drink plain water. If you need to have your candy coffee, open your eating window earlier, but consider that all the healing and the, the real fat burning and the deep cellular repair is happening when you're fasting clean. Then those other people, there are people for whom I don't know if eating till 2 a.m. is such a great idea in terms of our circadian clock, but that's a yeah. whole other, that's a whole other conversation. What I hear you asking is, is fasting for a great percentage of the day and having a two hour eating window extreme or overdoing it or somewhere for you, you're like, I'm not sure that's such a good idea. It depends on the person. Mm. It depends if it's a woman who's still having her cycle in her twenties, thirties, and forties. I think that, um, having a longer eating window on the days or even the whole week before your period is a very good idea to eat more food. And I don't mean junk food mm -hmm. <laughs> to eat more real whole, delicious, satisfying food. We are hungrier often on those days before our period, but I would look at how much weight the person has to lose, what their lifestyle is, what diseases they have, um, how they actually feel. A lot of people feel amazing fasting clean for 21 hours and eating in a three hour eating window. And then I would look at what are you eating? 
Because mm-hmm. if people if people are fasting for 22 hours and eating for two, and they're just a super type A rushed person, and then they're grab and go food without much variety or nutrient density, and they're rushed, rushed, rushed. So then the next, I, I would look at what their goals are and what their issues are, how they actually feel, what their day is like when they're fasting long. Like most, mm-hmm. most of us, when you're burning fat, you have, we have this nice, even, clean, clear, bright energy that mm-hmm. we're more productive. We're more focused. We don't have this afternoon crash. So someone could give you a pretty compelling argument for why they love their two hour eating window. And then I'd look at what they eat. And then I'd say, do you have a nice big metabolic boost day on the weekend? Like, what do you do if you're fasting for 22 hours and eating in a two hour eating window and eating nutritious, delicious, amazing food that you're sitting down, having a big abundant meal in your two hour eating window. And that makes you feel great. Go for it. Mm -hmm. But if there's any struggle, stress, or strain, if you're white knuckling it through, if, if there's any dread or hard push that's bad. <laughs> that is bad. And, and I think, I think that's what I, I think that's such an important point that you're making because so often people are like, Oh, I'm barely making it to my eating window and I'm shaky and I'm nauseous. And like, I feel sick, but I, no, no, but no, I no. and I'm like, no, that's not. And, and I think that's why this conversation is so important because I feel like for not for everyone, of course, but for some who maybe don't know how to properly intermittent fast and they, mm-hmm. and they're maybe not eating the nutrition dense foods that they need to be in their, in their eating window. It's almost like this feeling of like shaky starvation oh, a little bit. Right. And that's, yeah. I think why sometimes people are like, Oh, intermittent fasting. It's like, but it can be so, so beneficial in so many ways as, as we're discussing right now. So I, I think that this this concept is so important to be clarifying and to be educating about um, because it clearly is so beneficial for our bodies. That's why I really want to find out more about each individual's needs mm-hmm. and regimen. And, and if, if that was happening to someone that they were getting shaky and ravenous and couldn't make it to their eating window, the answer is eat. The next question right. is what, how long have you been intermittent fasting? Because if you're an experienced intermittent faster, which was really after month one, right in the first, first four weeks, the body is in the adjustment phase so that you might be aiming for that 16 hours and it's hour 14 and a half. You have strong thoughts of food and you're like, ah, what am I going to eat? And you have strong thoughts of food, mostly a hunger wave just comes and goes and you can stay busy through it, or you can breathe through it. But if you are struggling, Mm -hmm. you should eat. There is no reason. Right. And so then that's why I say gradually get to 16 hours and then settle Mm -hmm. into that eight hour eating window. And then someday you'll be like, Oh my gosh, I got to 16 and I wasn't even hungry. So I just decided to keep fasting. And then I ate in a six hour eating window. Awesome. That just happened beautifully and naturally. Sometimes it takes some determination. Sometimes it takes what I call a, a, like a strong, focus Mm -hmm. to get over a hunger wave, but that's very different than feeling shaky and ravenous and struggling Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. suffering. That is not any part of a sustainable, healthful intermittent fasting regimen. (laughs) So to be gentle 
and work, but that doesn't mean there won't be moments where it takes some concentration to get sure. through a hunger wave. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's important to distinguish that difference. And it's, it's such a great opportunity to tune into your body. It's almost like, is this intuition or is this fear, you know, is this a small hunger mm. craving or is this like ravenous? My body's like, help me. I need to, I need to eat something. Yeah. So how, for somebody who's like, all right, I want to do this. I want to get started. What time windows do you recommend? Obviously everybody's individual, but for someone like myself, for example, you know, I'm 29 years old in good health. I exercise, I eat pretty well for the most part. Um, where, where would you recommend that I begin? Well, I would ask you what your goals are. If you're like, I'm good, you know, I could lose 10 pounds or I could lose a hundred or I don't have any weight to lose. My body fat's good. I would find out where the person is. You could say my weight is great, but I want to get stronger in my fitness. And I want to, you know, increase my HDL cholesterol and lower my triglycerides. And I, got a, I'm on the edge of having a thyroid issue, you know? So it's like everybody's mm-hmm. <laughs> unique yeah, um, or, yeah. Yeah. and, um, so then I would find out what you're currently, when you're currently eating and what you like to eat. Like I break food down with my clients into four categories. So it can either be columns, like our brains work so differently, or it could be quadrants or it could be, you know, four pieces of a pie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I like to think in terms of columns, actually. So in the first column, it would be the foods that um, foods that you grab and go when you're rushed, the foods that you turn to at the end of the day when you're absolutely exhausted and you just don't have time or energy for anything more. So we want to get a good look at what those foods are. The next column is your trigger foods, the foods that set you off, the foods that have a grip on you, the foods that are in control of you, as opposed to you saying, I'm going to have one Cheeto, (laughs) (laughs) one Cheeto. Right. Right. Like my, one of my trigger foods is that smart food popcorn. Like Uh, I I can't just have one handful, like, come on. Yeah. And the bag is suddenly empty. And I'm like, where's the rest of it? And I've got powder all over my face. It's like, no, that is out of control. Yeah. And so it's same thing with like Reese's peanut butter cups. What is that? You know, so we all have those things. Yeah. Okay. So trigger foods. And for some people it's extreme. Like you have one brownie and you're out for days, like sugar's just got a grip on your brain and it's really bad for other people. It's just like, yeah, I'd be better off if I didn't eat that. So trigger foods your grab and go, I'm rushed, I'm exhausted foods. The other one is foods that don't love you back. So foods that make you not feel well, and we are not in tuned at all, for the most part, (laughs) with the foods that make us feel unwell, the foods that make our belly suddenly distended, the foods that make us puffy and achy and cranky and moody and restless leg, and we're not tuned in. And one of the amazing things about intermittent fasting is when you're fasting clean, and then eating in an eating window, and paying attention to your hunger signals and your body's satiety, your body, our bodies start steering us towards the food it wants, the nutrients it wants, and starts saying that it's not interested in those foods that make us not feel well. And you can start to hear the communication that, Mm. oh, that particular food doesn't agree with me. My body doesn't do well with that. Mm -hmm. And so what are those foods? Some people know right off the bat, 
you know, what are the, some of the foods that our body doesn't do well with and put those foods there. And then the fourth column is the, you know, the golden, that's what we want more of, which are the foods you love that love you back. So everybody can think of their dream meal, like, oh, the most satisfying, yummy, delicious, like really satisfying meal that when you're done, you just feel so good. You can't believe how delicious that was. And it made you feel really wonderful mm-hmm. and didn't make you ravenous an hour later. Like it was a satisfying meal. Mm. What was that? Like the foods that love us back. And that's, I don't, I'm not the food police. I don't tell people what to eat. I'm the clean fasting police for sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I think that is, if everybody can get into the place where you're eating, you're fasting clean and eating in the eating window of your choice, Mm -hmm. your bodies, our bodies start telling us the foods that it, it feels really well with. Yeah. And the, the visual that's coming to mind is when you are clean fasting. It's almost like your body becomes this empty container where there's space for you to really hear what it's asking for. Well, yeah. that is a miracle because that is why that empty space, mm-hmm. I think is why fasting is part of all spiritual and religious and meditation traditions. Mm-hmm. I mean, prayer and fasting because yeah. <laughs> pausing from eating creates this quiet, I would say, no, intermittent fasting is not a diet. It's a quiet. So Mm -hmm. whether or not you choose to kind of open your mind and heart to having this be an aspect of your spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you are inspired to have that be part of it and inquire into, wow, what would that be like? Go for it. If you're like, no, I just want the practical benefits. Okay. A practical benefit is that you're, you stop being fixated on food all the time. Like Mm -hmm. the quiet is that I can discern the communication that my body is actually giving me mm-hmm. because it's quiet. And that grip, that noise that food has on us constantly from the minute we wake up, I mean, it's constant thoughts of food. Mm-hmm. When we're intermittent fasting and fasting clean and eating later in an eating window, that gets quiet. Mm. So what is, I know we we've mentioned the concept of clean fasting a couple of times. What do you consider clean fasting? So the term was coined by Jen Stevens, who wrote an amazing book called delay, don't deny. And then her book, uh, fast feast repeat became a New York times bestseller and the clean, she really explains the clean fast in fast feast repeat and the, the physiological benefits of I'll rattle through the list, plain unflavored water. Don't put anything in it. (laughs) No hint of nothing. Okay. Plain unflavored water of any sparkliness and temperature, plain unflavored black coffee and bitter coffee, Mm. plain unflavored, bitter black or green tea with nothing else in it. No ginger, no jasmine, no lemongrass, plain, (laughs) no Earl gray with orange flavoring. Okay. Plain black, like you, you'll get it in the beginning. You'll get to be an expert at looking at ingredients. People show me the front of something and they're like, is this okay? I'm like, turn it around. Look (laughs) at the back. Don't look at the nutrition facts. Look at the little teeny, teeny, tiny letters that say ingredients. Okay. Plain water, plain black coffee, plain black or green tea. And then this gets tricky, plain unflavored 
electrolytes are minerals. So electrolytes are magnesium, sodium, potassium, minerals. And we actually need those. Um, all, most people are severely deficient in magnesium. So I, I'm, I don't believe in over supplementing, but I really do believe in looking into taking magnesium. And especially when we're fasting and we're not taking in food that has the minerals in it, we often need to have mineral drops in our water or take a magnesium supplement or, and, or take a pinch, tiny, just a few grains of super high quality unprocessed salt, like Celtic gray sea salt or Redmond real salt or pink Himalayan salt and a few grains under your tongue. It just goes, that sodium goes straight into your bloodstream sublingually under your tongue. And that can give you a nice burst of alertness or awakeness if you feel a headache coming on. So I'll just narrow that plain unflavored electrolytes or minerals are really helpful to take, but you have to look at the ingredients because most have mm -hmm. sweetener and lemon and so forth. So there's a brand called trace mineral drops, and it's just plain mineral water, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and you put that in your water and don't put so much that it tastes awful. Yeah. And then, so I'll say it again. I love repeating this over and over plain unflavored water, plain unflavored black coffee, plain unflavored, bitter, black or green tea, plain unflavored minerals, magnesium, sodium, mostly. And then your prescription, your medications as prescribed by your doctor or your pharmacist. So whatever medications you're on, if whatever time of day they need to be taken, you should do that. <laughs> Don't change that unless you have a conversation with them. And that's what it is to fast clean. And what that allows for is in the first two weeks, easing in gradually, the, the body is shifting its fuel sources. It's, it's using the food you just ate and the glucose in your blood and stored glucose, which is called glycogen in your liver. And it's chipping away at all that. And usually around two weeks, it can get a little tricky. Some people are like, oh, it was so easy the first two weeks and now it's hard. That's because you've reached the end of your glycogen stores in your liver and the body's like, oh, I have to become a fat burning machine. I don't wanna, that's like a lot of effort. But once you flip that metabolic switch and it knows it can do it every single day, mm -hmm. then you've, you're naturally a, a fat burning machine. You're fat adapted and your body is in ketosis every day which is really exciting and it feels really good. And that's when you know, really between weeks two and four approximately, that you, you're, you're consciously and deliberately doing something really good for your body and putting your body into a condition of repair. Awesome, what a great explanation. Um, one question that came up for me while you were speaking is in terms of finding the right window of, of time. I know obviously everybody's individual, but is there anything that any recommendations in terms of when you stop eating versus like compared to what time you go to sleep? Well, medical research shows that we do put ourselves into a deeper, more healing state of sleep. If we stop eating two to three hours before bed, mm -hmm. but everybody's got to look at what, what, what are your goals? What is your work? What is your family? When do you like to eat meals? Do you, you know, do, how much choice do you have about when you eat? Yeah. And I would, I would say if I were, you know, kind of weighing everything, 
close that eating window at a time that works best for you right now. And that may change in the future. So don't be hard on yourself. Just be like, you know what? My family, we normally eat at 6.30 and we're done by 7.30 and give yourself an extra 15 minutes and be like, okay, I'm gonna really, I'm gonna hard stop, close my eating window every day at 7.45. But let's say then you like to go to bed by 9.30 and you're like, oh no, that's not enough time between my eating yeah. window and sleep. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. more important to get to bed early than yeah. it is, okay? So don't just think it through. Don't push too hard. Be, mm-hmm. you know, we want to have it be gentle and sustainable. Mm-hmm. We want it to be realistic. So if you are gradually increasing your fasting and shrinking your eating window and having that hard stop and, and but you know, their ancient wisdom also also shows that eating between like 6 a.m. and 11 a.m. is like the best time, but Mm -hmm. that isn't the best time for me because I, when I eat, I feel a little sleepy and sluggish. Like I do much better having my day in a fasted state and then looking forward to opening my eating window later in the afternoon and then eating a big meal. Like that works well for me. Mm -hmm. And so each individual over time, really over the first few months, will discover their intermittent fasting sweet spot, their eating window sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And then you can move it. You know, the new clients always are dealing with, okay, my eating window sweet spot is from two to seven. But someone asked me for lunch. It's like, okay, go to lunch. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And so then you have a choice. You either slide that five hour eating window early, you know, when you have it from 12 to five, or you just have it longer that day. And then I'll say, eat that lunch, enjoy the heck out of it. Enjoy your friend, eat to satiety, pause, and then know when your next meal is going to be. And when you're going to close your eating window, it's totally flexible. Yeah. And that's, I think that's so important because we all, I feel like, especially in diet culture and stuff, we put so much pressure on ourselves and there's so many shoulds and have tos and can'ts and, and, and that like this process has full opportunity to be fun and a growth experience. And isn't the point of it to make us feel better, you know? So why? Oh, do we, yes. You That's know, the why? whole point is feeling good. Like one of my mm-hmm. mantras is it's not about being good. Like you just referenced diet culture, diet mindset, diet brain. We're all trying so hard to be good. No, there's no being good. Mm-hmm. There's only feeling good. So it's like, how does that make you feel? People ask me, can I have an apple and peanut butter? I'm like, I don't know. How does it make you feel? That sounds delicious. Does it make yeah. you feel good? Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so when I say, how does it make you feel? It's like, is that satisfying? Do you get ravenous an hour later? Or, but when you eat that, are you able to then go about your day? Like, is it enough food? Should you have some oatmeal? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. how do you feel? And that's not the number one question we're asking ourselves mostly. Mm-hmm. And being a person who eats in an eating window gives us that space that you referenced earlier to tune in to how I actually feel. So to answer your question about when is the ideal eating window, it could be first thing in the morning. It could be late at night. You know, shift workers have crazy schedules and when Mm -hmm. they are able to eat and plenty of nurses and overnight workers of all sorts figure out, I have a client who's a firefighter 
and um, we figure out the best eating window for him when he's working and the best eating window for him when he's on time off. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Every, everybody's unique and that just takes the pressure off and it, it gives us an opportunity uh, to do what feels right for us, not what we think we should be doing based on what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Beautiful. It is a freedom. Mm-hmm. It's fun. As you said, it's a discovery. I love that you, you introduce this spirit of learning and being open-minded and you can't screw this up. <laughs> people are like, Oh, I messed up or people, Oh, this is more diet mindset, diet yeah. culture. It's like, I, Oh, I wasn't perfect. Okay. But I don't know what perfect is. I have no yep. idea what that is. <laughs> so <laughs> let's look at what actually happened. Yeah. And how did you feel? What did you do? When did you do it? You know, people are like, I felt this particular way. Okay. When was it when you were fasting or when you were eating and how many hours fasted were you like, what actually happened? What did you do? Let's break it. And then what would you do differently, if anything? And how did that particular food make you feel? And is there anything you want to shift about that? Or what did you learn? You know, it's, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's not a crisis. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So if you had one nugget of wisdom that you would want the listeners to walk away from this conversation with, what would it be? Um, to have, to consider having kind of an overarching theme or mantra, like a declaration for yourself that guides your vision and the actions that you take regarding your health. So what do I mean by that? So I, I had some really challenging things happen this year and I needed to buckle down and really take exceptionally good care of myself make it through. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I realized that for myself, my declaration, my mantra for myself is I'm a person who takes really good care of myself. Now that would be different for everyone. One of my friends, his declaration is I'm going to be healthy till the day I die. Another, you know, another client of mine is his is like, I'm protecting the asset. <laughs> He's like a type A <laughs> business guy. He's like, I'm protecting the asset. I'm taking really good care of me. So yeah. then when you have that declaration, like that vision, like, wow, I'm a person who takes really good care of myself. What would a person who takes really good care of herself do right now? I might stand up and swing my arms around. I might drink another glass of water. I might make sure that I take a walk. I might snuggle with my dog. I might plan my meal later for my eating window that I'm super excited to have. Like, so rather than being a person who has 20 pounds to lose, I'm a person who has 20 pounds to lose. What could be an expanded vision for that? Like, what would that fit inside of? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm a person who's in tip top shape or I'm a person like, what is it for you? Mm -hmm. That's going to have you then have a vision for how you want to feel and what you want to accomplish. Like here we are in January of 2022 and who knows when people will be listening to this in the future. And, but at the beginning of the year, we always feel like we're going to try and have a fresh start. And that doesn't usually work very well because we just want to achieve things that we don't have the structure for. We don't have the vision for, and we don't know really who we are inside that context. So I invite everyone to explore and delight 
in discovering and creating for yourself what really, what, who are you? What kind of person are you? And if taking really good care of yourself is who you are, then find an acupuncturist and eat whole real food and eat in an eating window and go for a walk after every meal and sleep early and do all the things that make you feel really amazing and live longer. Yeah. Yeah. Focus on being and let all the other things kind of fall into place after that. Well, that's aligned with one of my favorite books, Essentialism, Greg McCune. Um, mm. It's just like tuning in and intermittent fasting is a perfect thing for a person to do. Who's really sorting out like, what is my life here for? Like, what is, what am I accomplishing? What, you know, that choosing the food, the timing, the everything and person around us that is going to bring us to our highest, allow us the space to be our best selves. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if you've ever read that book, Essentialism. I really recommend it. It's beautiful. I haven't, but it's going on the list. Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> thank you for the recommendation. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It You've provided so much insight and wisdom, and I know that it's going to be just so, so beneficial for all the listeners. Thank you. Um, but before we close today, where can people go to connect with you and ask questions, get more info, all of that? Love it. I love connecting with people. So my business is fast forward wellness. So it's fast forward wellness.com and you can go there and you can get a free guide on how to just enter your email address. It'll come right to you a free guide on how to start and some of the benefits of intermittent fasting. And then um, you'll hear from me from time to time with videos and uplifting thoughts. <laughs> and then there's a contact form. And if you're like, okay, I like what you have to say. I'm curious, how could this help me? This is what I'm dealing with. Then you can just write me on that contact form and let me know what you're dealing with. And we can set up a quick call to that. I can make some recommendations and support you in about a 15 or 20 minute call. I would love to hear. I love hearing from people because People are often at the end of their rope. They don't know what to do next. And mm -hmm. if I can provide some guidance and uplift and direction, mm -hmm. that's wonderful. Yeah. It's my pleasure. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again. It's been such a pleasure. And thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening, and if you like what you've heard, it would be everything if you could subscribe and share this podcast with your loved ones and community. It is my ultimate goal to connect and spread as much healing energy as possible, and every little bit helps. So thanks again for listening. I'm forever grateful. Namaste.